But I think that's key to managing up, managing up to your boss, specifically asking them what is important to you, what will drive you crazy, and what should I be doing to be successful in your eyes. Hey everyone, my name is Bridget McCullough, and this is Leading to Wellbeing, a podcast series from the Ohio Health Leadership Academy. When most people think of managing others, what comes to mind is a top-down approach. Bosses instructing and coaching their direct reports, who then go on to manage the people underneath them. But managing can happen from the bottom up, too. In this episode, we are joined by Aaron Fields, a certified executive coach and senior advisor of strategic planning at Ohio Health, and Lindsay Osting, president of Doctors Hospital. They both bring years of leadership experience and expertise to our discussion on what it truly means to manage up, why it's a critical skill for your success as a leader and your well-being, and how you can effectively do it without ever feeling like you're overstepping. and Lindsay, it is so great to have you here. Welcome to the Leading to Wellbeing podcast. Thank you. Thanks. So today we're going to be talking about the concept of managing up. Before we get started, we have been starting each episode in the same way that we start a lot of our sessions with the Leadership Academy, which is with a check-in question, just to see how we're all showing up today. So the question is, if there was a theme song for your well-being for the last week, what I don't know if well-being makes a difference. I just chose the song for last week. Okay. But it was Crazy Train by Ozzy Osbourne because <laughs> with the holidays, I'm trying to buy gifts and wrap gifts. And then there were three Christmas parties, all for different work events. And I was just by Friday, I was way tired and I put in a lot of work. Crazy Train. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's great. What about you, Aaron? So what came up for me is Bon Jovi, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Right. Uh, so I have a 12-week-old at home mm-hmm. and a three-year-old who decided to stop napping and stop agreeing with bedtime when the baby arrived. So not a lot of sleep going on in my house. And I'm just really trying to accept that that is the season that I'm in right now. And it's okay if I need caffeine all day long to, to function. We'll, we'll prepare when the next season occurs. <laughs> I hear that my son, who's now four and a half, he dropped his nap basically when he turned three and Mm. it was so hard losing that time but he slept better at night Mm. when we just let it go we were trying to force it for so long Mm because we wanted Mm -hmm. the time so I hear that all right so I have my answer as well my song is Land of Confusion by Genesis which you know that song it's actually kind of a political song and I think still probably if you listen to the lyrics rings true for what we're all experiencing I think currently in terms of politics, but that has absolutely nothing to do with the reason why I uh, picked that song. My husband is a musician, which I've talked about before, and his band plays this music festival on a cruise ship every year in January. And it's hosted by a band called Sister Hazel, who had some big hits in the 90s. And then there's a bunch of other bands that play. And this year, Sister Hazel and my husband's band, they're going to do an entire set of Genesis songs. So my husband 
at home has been nonstop playing Genesis. <laughs> That's all I've been hearing for the last week or week and a half as he's learning these songs. And Land of Confusion, again, it doesn't have anything to do with the song itself, but it's just really nostalgic for me. For some reason, we had that music video, which is a very weird video. There's puppets, I think. We had it recorded on VHS when mm. I was a kid. I don't know why. We had a couple music videos that we had recorded. No idea, but we watched it a lot. And so it just makes me think of my sisters and like being a kid. And now with the holidays coming up and I have my own kid, there's something about that. It's giving me the warm and fuzzies of the holiday season, even though it has absolutely nothing to do <laughs> with that song. Awesome. Now let's dive right into our topic, which of course is about managing up. And where I wanted to start with this, I found a couple of definitions about what managing up means, and they were interesting to me. So I want to get your take on these definitions, whether they hit the mark, if they're missing something, or if you feel like the meaning of this is completely different. So there was a Wall Street Journal article that said managing up is all about making your supervisor's life easier. And then Harvard Business Review article says that it means being the most effective employee that you can be. Those did not hit for me at all, <laughs> but I'd love to get your take. I think in my mind, it was almost like the first one, but managing your manager to do the things that you need them to do to make your job easier versus trying to make their job easier. That's kind of what I think. But you all tell me, Maybe no, none of us is right, so <laughs> I would love to, to get your take. As I'm thinking about this, neither one really resonates with me. The first one, I think, is really just what you should be doing is making your supervisor's life yeah. easier. It's kind of just your normal job. That's why they hired you. But the point of managing up in my mind is people have to know how effective you're being. And so you can be as effective as you want. If no one realizes it, hmm. doesn't matter. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's about recognizing that you need a specific tactic with the people above you, not just your boss, mm -hmm. but with other leaders, and those tactics are going to be different. And so I think, to me, managing up is about how you become more effective, and to Lindsay's point, how you show that effectiveness by adapting your tactics across the different leaders that you're managing up to. I once had uh, someone tell me, it's not about what you do, but it's about who sees what you do. And at first, especially with being a nurse by background, I was like, oh my gosh, that sounds like I'm supposed to not be humble and go out there and brag about myself. But it's 100% true. And even when I think about myself and looking at those that are coming up through the ranks, if I don't know what they do, I don't know what they're capable of. And so they're not going to be top of mind for a project or a promotion. So I need to know what they're doing. And I have no issues if they're the ones that are letting me know that. Yeah, right. Because there was an opportunity and it was completely missed. That would be super unfortunate, right. right? Both for you to be able to experience whatever this person is capable of, but also for them to have that opportunity, right? Okay, we're talking a little bit about what it means to manage up. Why is it so important that we have that skill? Well, I think Lindsay's point is one of the reasons, because you have to take ownership of your relationship with your boss and your relationship with the other leaders that you work with, and that's how you create agency for yourself mm -hmm. in your own work, in how your work shows up for the people that you report to, and how you can impact 
their effectiveness, which ultimately impacts your effectiveness. Mm -hmm. Like it's about taking ownership of that and having agency. And that was a big mind shift for me because young in my career, I was like, oh, I'll just work hard and people will notice that I'm working hard. (laughs) 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 That does not work. (laughs) Right. Which I think that's probably how a lot of people feel, though. Yes. I feel like early on in their career. A hundred percent. They absolutely yes. are going to make that assumption. We all laugh, but I feel like... We laugh because we did it. Yeah. Because yes. <laughs> <laughs> we all experienced it. We're just waiting and waiting for someone to shine a light on it. And it may happen in small doses or in some ways, but you have to be able to advocate for yourself. And nobody probably cares as much as you. And no one knows what you're actually doing better Mm-mm. than you. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That's exactly right. I think that's one of the pieces, but I think it's also, it helps you recognize that there's not one approach that you're going to use over and over again across leadership or even with your own boss. There might be situations like when I'm going to challenge my boss, I'm going to use this type of tactic. When I need my boss to come along with me and we already agree, I might use a different tactic. It's it's creating nimbleness Mm -hmm. in your ability to be effective. I agree with that. I think when you're managing your boss, it looks different than when you're managing up to other, say, senior leaders in the organization or people that are higher than you. When you're managing your boss, it's important to tell them all the details of the things you're doing, things they didn't even ask you to do, but maybe you're doing with your team or you're coming up with on your own so that they know clearly how you're managing everything that's underneath you. Then when you're managing maybe a level above your boss, I think it's important that your boss knows everything you're communicating with anyone higher than you, but you can't always rely on your boss to do all the communicating because they have a lot of people that report to them and it may not be top of mind what they're thinking of. And so having a story, an elevator speech for things that you're working on that come up normally in a conversation or that you can address when you're talking to people that are above your boss, it can be really helpful for them to also have a context that's not just through you know, like the filter of your boss. That makes a lot of sense. And how do you get yourself in front of those people? Because I feel like depending on what your role is, you might not get a lot of face time with your boss's boss or leaders above them. So how do you create those opportunities? You can always ask for a skip level meeting. I think those are something in an organization that people do depending on what department you're in. It can be done routinely. So I don't think that would be an odd thing to ask for. I also think that it just depends on when you're in a meeting with them for some reason. Maybe you don't have a lot of FaceTime, but take advantage of any FaceTime you have to make comments or say, you're listening to this project. This is what I've done with it. And again, it feels like you're tooting your own horn and you're Mm -hmm. not. And I just always try to think of it from my point of view. Would I care if I was the boss sitting in the room or I was the two up? listening to someone talk about everything they're doing. No, I want to know because that's how you can be most effective for the organization if everyone knows how to use you best. That's great. I feel like that's a really different take, a different shift in mindset that can help someone to think about it differently because so many people do not like talking about themselves. Absolutely. Some people love it. Some people are great (laughs) at it. But I think there's plenty of people who do really struggle with that and would feel the same way. So I feel like giving them the right mindset so they can feel more confident and comfortable is really helpful. Well, I just want to build on something that Lindsay said. You don't get a lot of those opportunities. And so being proactive and saying this is an opportunity and either leveraging your boss as someone who can help you with that opportunity or someone else to say, okay, how do I prepare 
this is a big meeting I have coming up or a leader's coming to Gimba or whatever it is to talk about how am I going to show up and represent myself in the work that I've done in the situation. That's a big piece of why it's important because you have to be proactive and, and have a plan for how you're going to do that. Because to your point, a lot of people just off the cuff are not comfortable yeah. with that. So asking your boss for opportunities, asking other people, how do you do this? How do you get opportunities? And when you do, what do you do? What do you talk about? Getting all of that under your belt is really important as well. And leave you feeling much more prepared when you're in that moment. Yes. If you've already kind of done the homework, prepared yourself so it's not feeling like that true elevator speech of, oh, I'm in the elevator next to the leader and I need to be ready and I'm not. You right. can feel like you're fully prepped for that opportunity when it arises. So that's great. So can you share an example of managing up gone wrong? Either an experience that you've had or seen, or it can just be something purely made up, an attempt that is not effective. I would say one of the experiences I have with it going wrong is the failure to do it. Mm. And so it was a project that was assigned to me that wasn't directly related to my boss at the time. And because I didn't make sure the other people that were higher up in the organization understood all the work I was doing, the thought then became what is even happening here? Because they weren't getting enough report outs. I wasn't talking to anybody else. I was talking more to my boss, who I think assumed at the time I was talking to other people, but I was just telling them because where I was in my career, that's what I was used to. I wasn't used to managing up. Mm -hmm. And so then there became a very different discussion in the background that I found out later about, like, was I even okay to lead this project? So then I had to spend all this time meeting with people, making up for it, changing their opinions, which I was able to do successfully. But the amount of work that caused by failing to lead up at the beginning was exhausting. Mm -hmm. That's a great, great example. The example that comes to mind for me goes back to one of the definitions you shared, that if you overemphasize trying to make your boss happy, yeah. that can really backfire yeah. on you. It can be to the detriment of the project that you're working on or the work, but also to your own well-being. If you're just doing whatever makes your boss happy, that can lead to burnout for yourself. It can lead to you compromising your values, and that is not what managing up is about. I agree with that. And because your boss doesn't always want just a yes man. They want someone that they hired you to have an opinion. And so managing up is absolutely not just agreeing with your boss and doing whatever they say. That is a really important call. Yeah, that I is. I think, especially when you look at that definition, whichever one, which felt yeah. yucky to me too. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, yeah, making your boss's life easier, it's like, okay, well, yeah, it could be if you're going about it the right way, but you could also be making your manager's life easier and not the right way. Yeah. So I like that call out. And of course... The connection to well-being is what this podcast is all about. So I appreciate that call out. How about an example of managing up gone right? Like really great. You've given some examples already, but do you have any other thoughts about maybe like a really specific example you haven't shared yet? One that comes to mind for me at a previous organization, I was bringing a big idea to one of the executives at the health system, and I had it in my mind that I was going to put together a comprehensive plan, take it to one of our big committee meetings, get everyone on board. And the executive said, we don't need to do that. We can have one-on-one -on -one conversations with a couple executives. Mm -hmm. We can get buy-in, and then we can move much faster with this. 
And so then that's what I did, is I had these one-on-one -on -one conversations that didn't create a super polished PowerPoint that was gonna go <laughs> to some committee that would have taken me hours and hours and hours to do. So it made me more effective to go to this executive first and say, this is what my plan is, what's your feedback? And then they gave me a more effective strategy that I then executed. We agreed on the idea, we executed it, and saved me lots of time, and I got to get my boss to a quicker decision as well. That's a great example of how you can get FaceTime with someone, right? So mm -hmm. it's an executive higher than your boss. You have a project, you need their feedback, you wanna know their opinion, and so that then creates a great venue to get FaceTime with someone you may not typically have it with. Mm -hmm. Good point. I feel like that checks a lot of the boxes of some of the things that we talked about. You are getting that FaceTime, that one-on-one -on -one time, which mm -hmm. I think is incredible. That's difficult to do and to come with an idea of something innovative. That is an incredible opportunity if you can get it. And I understand the layers of approval and committees. I remember in my old team when I was first trying to get a podcast going, <laughs> I was just swirling trying to get somebody to just say, it's okay to go and do it. And it was like this committee, then this committee, and it just didn't go anywhere. Your approach probably would have worked so much better, which ultimately is what happened. The right person just saying, just do it. Mm -hmm. Pick a platform and do it. Mm -hmm. And if it's not yeah. right, we'll change it. Just go try it. Go do it instead of putting together my fancy PowerPoint presentation of all of that work. So I love that. All right. So how do you manage up when you, for whatever reason, don't have a great relationship with your one-up leader? I've actually been there. I think that the most important thing is you never want to go around them. Mm. Even if you don't have a great relationship, they are still your leader and they're very capable and that's why they're in the role that they are. Even if you don't always feel like they are, they are. So I think it's okay to maybe you have a project or maybe you have a reason why you need to communicate with their boss, just keeping them in the loop. Here's something I'm doing. I'm going to let you know. I'd also think it'd be great for me in my development if I could communicate with whoever else that's higher. And would you be comfortable with me meeting with them one-on-one? -on -one? It is so rare someone would say no. Yeah. The biggest thing is making sure you're not talking about stuff that your boss doesn't know. They need to know it. And then maybe asking for those opportunities that you could then also manage up face-to-face -face and not just through your boss. Mm. Yeah, and I think to build on what Lindsay said, the way I think about it is you can always ask for criteria for success with your boss. Even if you don't have a good yeah. relationship, they're always going to be open to you saying, okay, here's what I'm doing. This is what I think I need to do next. Like, what criteria do you have for success on this work? And you can even ask the flip question as well, like, what would annoy you? Uh, and so they might say something like what Lindsay said, like, well, if you go around me, like, <laughs> right. don't give me the details. Yeah. Like, that would annoy me, right? But you yeah. can, like, I feel like every leader would respond and, and at least give you answers to those questions. And that gives you more information that you can work with. And it also might start to build a more respectful relationship as well. Right, right. Yeah, that's really, really important. I feel like in the same way that when you manage down to your direct reports, understanding how do you like to be recognized and how do you like to get feedback, I feel like it can go in the opposite direction as well because everybody's different. Totally. And if you go off of what makes you feel good or what you think success looks like, right. that might be why the relationship isn't great. Correct. Um, could be. 
But I think that's key to managing up, asking for managing up to your boss specifically, asking them what is important to you, mm-hmm. what will drive you crazy, and what should I be doing to be successful in your eyes? Yeah, yeah. These are great ideas. I love it. So if someone is thinking about doing this, maybe they haven't really been doing any kind of managing up, or maybe they just haven't been successful with it, where would they start? What would be the first thing that you would do if someone was like, I really want to start doing more managing up? What's step one? I think I would start by being very honest that that's what I want to try. And even if you have a good relationship with your boss or with maybe a mentor, telling them, I want to start managing up. This is how I'm thinking of doing it. What are your thoughts? I'd love to get more FaceTime with you, with your boss. How would I go about doing that? Is that even beneficial to managing up? Or is it better that I talk up in certain meetings? And just really getting their opinion. And so they also know what you're doing. And then as far as managing up to them, you can even ask them. If you're not used to doing this, just say, okay, what do you need to know? How do I manage up to you as my boss? I'm still learning and I'm new in this space. I can't imagine any boss that wouldn't be happy to talk to you about their experience. Yeah, Yeah, I agree with that. It's very disarming to say, I'm trying something new. So help me learn, Mm -hmm. right? So I think that's a great place to start. And then maybe just spending a little time with yourself of what do I even want to learn about managing up? What are the components that are most interesting to me? Is it talking in big meetings? Is it getting FaceTime? Is it a better relationship with my direct boss and making sure they know what I'm doing and what's important for my career? Making a list of those things would be another great place to start. I like that. Yeah, I do too. Asking a lot of questions, both of yourself and then also the leaders around you, making sure you have an understanding of why you're even doing this. Like, what is my goal? So that way you can ask the right questions of your leaders. I love that. I think the biggest thing when you first start managing up, it may feel weird and it's okay. It feels weird for everybody. So just knowing that it's a new skill to learn and it's okay for it to not come easily. And I think earlier on, Erin, too, you talked about talking to other people around you about this. If you can have a mentor or or peers or others that you know that maybe are doing this, you now know two people that you could reach out to at Ohio Health who are sitting right here before me who can help you. Happy to talk. Um, But, uh, you know, anyone else that's around you that you feel like could support you, I, I would say don't feel like you're going at it alone. Even though it is about you, it's still okay to bring other people into the fold to guide you and help you in doing it. Now I want to jump into maybe a couple of difficult scenarios. So in addition to when you don't have the great relationship with your boss, which I think you had great answers for, I have a couple other scenarios here that I just want to get your take on. How do you manage up when you have a micromanaging boss? That's no not, one that's listening oh, could see Lindsay's face. Oh, but. A micromanager. I can't. I think it happens a lot when you're used to being the doer and then you get promoted. And so you're still wanting to do, do, do and not mm. really getting to that point yet of understanding that that's not really your job. That's not really your role and it's not beneficial to your team. But if that's your scenario, if that's the place that you're in. I would start by asking my boss, what do they need to feel like I've got this? Mm. And so for a personal scenario, when I was chief nursing officer, I wanted to do something, but it meant my boss had to let go of that. And so I said, what would make you feel comfortable letting go of that and letting me do it? And he wasn't necessarily even a micromanager, but it was just something that he had been doing. And he said, well, I need you to do X, Y, and Z. If you give me those things on a monthly basis, 
then I'll be comfortable with you doing that. And that then allowed me to be able to run my business in a way that I felt more confident, but also make sure that he knew what he needed to know. And I feel the same way when I'm thinking to myself, because I transitioned from a chief nursing role to a president role. And so I totally knew my chief nurse's space and could have totally been annoying. But I just told her, like, this is what I want to know. And I will stay out of your space. I promise. If I feel like you've got this, then I don't need to stay in your space. And I'm not a micromanager, but I just feel like you can translate that to what is the angst of being a micromanager? It's because you're not doing it and you Mm. don't know. Yeah. And I think you can play off of your own vulnerability as well using some sort of I message. Like, I'd like to take more ownership of X. What would it take for you to give me more ownership of X? It gets to Lindsay's same point. But if you start with an I message, it kind of disarms them as well. Um, so that it's not about them doing something wrong. You're focused on what you want and what you need. I think that can be really helpful. I love that. Yeah, rather than you need to stop micromanaging me and let me do this (laughs) as I'm capable. Yeah, I love both of those approaches. I think that's fantastic guidance. All right, so what about the absentee boss? I mean, I've had this experience before where my boss wanted to meet with me once every three months um, (laughs) and thought that was fine. And so I think it's an interesting situation where, again, you want to be very cognizant of what information your boss actually needs, even though they're absent, because you don't want to get into a situation where your boss finally decides to show up one day and then they're surprised by something. Yes. So even if they're absent, you figure out a way to say, I'm going to send you updates once a week of what's going on, even if I don't get to meet with you. Coming up with a structure like that. And then the other thing that's really important is when you do get time with them, you have to put your priorities front and center in those Mm -hmm. conversations. The specific boss that I'm thinking of was a talker. And so, like, you know, I'd have the one-hour meeting once every three months, and they'd talk for the first 35 minutes, you know. And so that I learned very early that that did not serve me. I had to up front say, I know we're going to talk about a lot of stuff, but I need to get to these five things in these 60 minutes because that's the time you get, right? So you have to leverage it when you get it. These are such great ideas, both of you. I was trying, I'm like, did we have the same manager? Because I feel like my absentee (laughs) manager also was a talker. (laughs) And great person, but can be maddening when you are trying to get to certain things. I mean, I think that's a good idea no matter what, even if it's not an absentee manager to always, when you have that time, to be prepared with, here's what I wanted to hit on. It's your one-on-one or whatever situation it is to upfront make sure they've got that in hand. I agree. Here are the things that I need to get to. And I think everyone responds well to that. They may have something, one or two things that they wanted to get to as well, and that's fine. But I think them having that ahead of time is really good advice. I think life is all about learning. And so when you have the micromanager boss, the absentee boss, what can you learn from them that maybe you wouldn't want to replicate? So if you're at one point the manager that someone is managing up to, don't talk a lot. Let them get their thoughts out first. What can you learn from these types of styles that maybe aren't great that then you make sure you don't replicate yourself? It's a really good call out, Lindsay. (laughs) As we're talking about this, we're learning little tidbits of just being a great leader as well Mm -hmm. um, and how you respond when somebody is managing up to you as well and how you respond to that. 
So I, I love that thought. All right, so one more scenario, because I think it's really relevant today, is the remote manager. So if you're on a remote team, if the whole team is, or maybe it's some form of hybrid, just those scenarios that I think we're all dealing with a lot more now. To me, it's an opportunity to flex. I was talking earlier about you might need different tactics for different types of leaders. I mean, this is another one of those scenarios where if you don't actually get FaceTime with your leader, you might need to flex a little more into, well, I'm going to text them a little more mm. and I'm, I'm going to send them email updates a little more or Teams messages with, hey, I just did this. want to make sure you knew. Stuff like that because you know you're not getting that face-to-face time to do those connections with them. That's exactly what I was thinking. I think texting, everyone texts today. You know, Teams calls can still feel like you're really in the room with a person, especially yeah. if it's just a one-on-one. Um, and even though I work at a care site and my, my boss is at the BAC, sometimes I get there in person and sometimes we do a Teams call. So even though technically neither one of us are remote, yeah. we still do a lot of stuff through Teams. And so I think it's just changing the whole way we work. Yeah. And I like what you said, Aaron, first, and it had me thinking too, getting to know your leader or leaders and what do they use the most because I know I've had some where they're using teams a lot and then I have others where I'll send them a message and they never respond to it because that's not what they use and the text will work great and then other ones who maybe don't really use their phone and so you're you want to email or whatever it might be I think having that understanding and even having that conversation I think early on about what is most effective in what scenarios if it's an emergency how do I reach you if it's not just having that understanding, I think, is really important for the whole team, really, to understand what's the best way to contact or to have certain conversations. Great. The only other scenario that I had, which we can get to, which I felt was a little bit like the absentee boss, but maybe not exactly the same. So the boss who's too busy, always too busy, too busy, too busy, just seems like you can never get their time. I mean, we've kind of touched on some things that I think would be relevant, but... When you're really hitting that roadblock of like, yeah, I, don't, I have time, but it's two months from now. If you've got something more urgent than that and you, it's not something you feel like can wait, how do you get that time? Typically, I'll send an email, text my boss I sent an email, and text his admin that I sent him an email mm. and make sure that he sees it. Typically, the admins I've worked with in the past for my boss, they're good at that, and okay. including my admin, because I know people do that to her, and they're like, we well, make sure she sees this, because then they can read it on their time. Yeah. Now, this is assuming you don't need to have a back-and-forth conversation, but you could just lay out what's happening in the email and say, call me if you think we should discuss further, but the biggest thing is – you can't just email because there's a chance they won't see it. We'll right. see it in a week. It's yeah. really easy to miss email. So you have to do the follow-up. I found that to be most effective when I can't get a hold of someone. That's great. I wouldn't have even thought of the admin, to be honest. Oh, which... yes. yeah. <laughs> they can be a They're huge. huge. Yeah. They're amazing. Yeah. I mean, I work with a lot of people's admins usually when I'm trying to schedule the time. Yeah. But I hadn't thought about when you were not getting follow-up to the email. I don't know why I hadn't really thought about that, but it does make sense. Yeah, and I think along the same lines, depending on whatever medium is best for your boss, you can put right in the front, looking for a response by yes. fill in the blank. <laughs> That's great. Um, and so they immediately know, oh, this is something I need to read in the next 24 hours yeah. or two hours or whatever. <laughs> that has been super helpful and super effective with my boss and my boss's boss. They get a sense of what the urgency is. 
I like that. And I think that's helpful for those that maybe are in maybe more lower level leadership roles where you're just starting to get into that space where now your leader is a higher up leader. So like their the schedules are just going to get crazier as you move up mm-hmm. and you're reporting to somebody who's now higher level. You know, I had a situation where I was reporting to a senior advisor and then she left and I was now reporting directly to the VP. And there was no like handbook about how this is going to be different (laughs) now that you're reporting directly to the VP for a while. And that, you know, that for a while ended up being kind of permanent. And it was very, very different. Before that, I was the only direct report where Mm -hmm. we talked all the time. I mean, we were basically a team of two. So that's a very, very different dynamic. Well, thank you both so much for being on our podcast. Thank you. It was great you. having you. This is it was a great, great yeah. conversation. I enjoyed it. Absolutely. Managing up can be a really useful skill in developing a more positive relationship with your boss, achieving your professional goals and advancing your career, and positively impacting your well-being at work. And remember to keep these benefits in mind if you're the one being managed up from a direct report. In proactively setting each other up for success, you're also priming your team and department for success as well. Thank you for listening today, and we hope you'll join us for our next episode of Leading to Well-Being.